It is Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. This is another edition of Baseball Today. My man T. Plouffe still down for the count, so we sent him some good thoughts and well wishes. But in the meantime, I have welcomed back. Is that Joe Burrow? Oh, no, it's Jerry Blevins. I have Joey B, Jerry B. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm happy to fill in again. I'm used to going back-to-back days, so this is right in my wheelhouse. Well, so are you wearing a Bengals hat today because you're just rubbing it in this Browns fan face, or, or what are you doing? <laughs> well, I am happy to be a Bengals fan, and plus I didn't feel like doing my hair this morning. That's the combo. Let's see how it is. Do you want to see it? Yeah. Oh, now that's see, but that's such it's so good. Are you kidding me, Jerry? It's something else. Let's take a peek at the like height. Yeah. I cut my own hair the other day. Um hell's that like, like the sides were a little long. And so uh I actually feel like I did a decent job and my my wife hasn't asked to touch it up too much. So I think I did okay. Solid. <laughs> I don't know. I, I for a guy who just cut his own hair, that's pretty damn good. Did you tip uh, yourself? Well, you know, I did it in college for beer money at the University of Dayton. Uh, my other, you know, so fellow students. Um, and I still still got it a little bit. Nice. Good work. Good work. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Uh, we are closing in a T-minus about 48 hours from opening day. And teams are still tinkering with their rosters, particularly in the AL Central late on Monday, where the Tigers and Rays pulled off a trade. Austin Meadows heads to Motown. And the White Sox, who got the bad news about Lance Lynn over the weekend, maybe solidified the depth of their rotation by signing Johnny Cueto to a minor league deal. He's going to make over $4 bucks if he is on the roster. He has an opt-out. Which of those two moves was more interesting to you? I love both moves for both teams. I think I like the Austin Meadows move a little bit more because they lost uh, Riley Green. Um, for probably a significant portion of the start of the season. And they're really going to rely on that superstar for the franchise. But he, if Meadows comes in, he's going to make a great impact on that lineup. But I really love the Johnny Cueto move too, because as we talked about yesterday, who's their fifth guy, Vince Velasquez. Um, I don't know. You're, you're wearing that Giants hat. I got a chance during the 20. 20 season to be in camp with the giants and to be around Johnny Cueto. Mm. I love that guy. I was always a fan of his pitching and obviously he's really good, but this guy is so smart and he's going to make a team better. He's still got some, some good baseball left in him. Uh, I learned a lot from just being around him. I'd always ask him like, Hey man, do you mind translating whatever you're telling those young guys into English for me? Um, but I, I like both moves because Cueto is a, still a quality pitcher and Meadows makes that team uh, even deeper. So I'm really interested in the Cueto side of things if he does indeed eventually come up to the big league team just because I want to see if Lucas Giolito, our buddy on the Chris Rose rotation, can put the shimmy shake into his repertoire at, you know, six foot six and 250 <laughs> pounds. And then uh, Austin Meadows. So obviously we know Riley Green's going to be down for several months. I mean, at earliest, maybe late June, it sounds like, you know, after he gets some rehab work and some at-bats in the minors because he's never, you know, been to the big leagues. Um, The thing that worries me about the move is that Meadows is not a good defender. And if you put him in right field, Comerica, that's a tricky wall, a lot of space. You know, we just look at him as a bat. And a couple of years ago, over a 900 OPS, he was an all-star, all sorts of stuff. I mean, I think he's a really good stick, right? He's still under team control for a couple of years. He's still only 26. But Miguel Cabrera is your DH. He was going to DH a lot of the time in Tampa Bay yeah. because they value defense. The one thing I don't want Tiger, the Tigers to do is just keep building a lineup and forget that defense is a big part of this game. 
Yeah, you mentioned their outfield, and it is cavernous. And it's strange that right center field gap is enormous. Like, it's so deep. Um, I wouldn't mind sticking him in left field. Could Badu switch? Is he going to play – is Badu going to play left? No, he'll play – he'll probably play center, I think. Okay. Because Robbie Grossman is still out there. Grossman is a good athlete. He could get shipped to right field. Um, he's a solid player. I think he's underrated uh, yes. from the play and in the field. I would put Meadows in left field, that porch before the bullpens. Um just makes everything smaller and it plays a little bit more traditional than right field is like you said, it's, it's crazy. All right. One other quick note. Uh, it does pave the way for one of their top prospects. And I'm talking about the Rays in uh, Josh Lowe to come up. So they used to have Nate Lowe. Now they've got Josh Lowe and they still have Brandon Lau in Tampa. If you're scoring at home, which yeah. just made my head spin. So <laughs> it did. It's another thing. I, I don't know. I'm not a big uh, prospect guy. It's never been my forte. There's only so much room in this right. cranium for, for information, but the Rays are incredible at developing talent from totally. pitching and hitting. So if they move the guy with a quality stick of, of Austin Meadows to bring this guy up, like I expect big things. Yeah. I, cause I don't love their outfield as it stands right now. I mean, I know Kiermaier is, is a gold glover in center and Randy Rosarena is, but there's, you're asking some guys who probably shouldn't be getting as many at bats to get at bats, but listen, the rays are going to Ray. And so we'll see how it works out. Yeah. Um, everybody's giving their predictions as we will do on this show the next couple of days. But Pakoda is always kind of the fun one because they tack on numbers. They make adjustments based on signings and injuries and all sorts of stuff. So give me one win prediction that is too high and one that is too low for a team. So let's start with the, too high one and we'll alternate you go first okay so the one that stood out to me the most is this will make some of my s and y partners mad is the yankees at 99 wins that's too that high. Is a tough yeah i think it's too high i'm gonna take the under on that because that division you know is gonna beat each other up there's a lot of talent in that division it's hard to play there that is a lot of wins um and i'll just like mathematically i think the other projection models had them at like 92 93 right. and so 99 is it's very high so i'm gonna take the under yeah i would agree with that because I, I looked at that number i almost took it as well and it has nothing to do with the yankees and everything else to do with the fact that there were four teams that won more than 90 games in that division a year ago and one that didn't even make the playoffs so it just you know maybe they're they're counting on the rays slipping a little bit to the mid 80s i know that and it's yeah, possible. that's I, I can't count out the rays to to just roll over a little bit so i don't know uh, for me, the one that's too high, unfortunately, I think the Cincinnati Reds, um, you know, we know what they did. They let Castellanos walk. They traded Winker. They traded Suarez. They traded Sonny Gray. They traded Amir Garrett, uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, and they let Wade Miley go as well. I know they added some guys, right? Like Tommy Pham, Mike Miner, Colin Moran, guys that are solid pros. But I think that the Reds know that what they're doing is shedding payroll and they're just trying to put a decent enough team together so that they're not trying to win this thing. So even if those guys have good years, they're going to try and flip them for something. And I, I you I know, agree. I still think that Luis Castillo is going to be gone at some point this year. So the fact that people think that they're going to, or Pakota thinks that they're going to get close to 500 when they barely got over 500 with a much more talented team a year ago, I don't see it. Uh, I agree with you. I think what, what's the exact number for 79. the 79. Gosh. 
I don't think I don't think they won to win 79 games. No, so, I don't either. Uh, and I, the only reason I think they they kept Castillo is because they might feel like they're going to win the lottery and flip them at the deadline for something higher than they got right. now. Maybe just to tell the fans, hey, we have Luis Castillo here. Come see us play. But uh, I'll take the under two because they don't want to win more than that. OK, uh, what about the one that's too low? Let's move quick on this one. So we, uh, I'm going to roll with the Tigers. We talked about them yesterday and today. The the over under number is 67. I know they're going to they, compete. Uh, where did they come up with 67? I have no idea. To me, that's an easy. If I were a betting man, which I'm not, I, I would put money on the Tigers to go over that. I think they have a fun roster. They've got some prospects and they have some veterans there. I think they they have a really good put together in a in a division where the White Sox are the 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 easy winners. I, I Minnesota, Detroit, I think are going to run away with it. Yes, for second place, I would second agree. With place. You. Although Cleveland might have something to say there, but still, True. 67 wins with it's, this roster. Yeah, I don't see it. I mean, maybe they're just banking on that that young pitching not coming together at all. And I'm not I'm not going to say that. I think at least one of those three guys between Scooball, Mize, and Manning kind of takes it to another level. We'll see. I agree. Uh, for me, I'm wearing a San Francisco Giants hat. People that have followed this show closely know that last year I was like, after four weeks, I was like, okay, cute little story. After six weeks, I was like, cute little story. After 10 weeks, I was like, cute little story. So I didn't buy in until like it was the trade deadline. And then I was like, holy shit, these guys are awesome. So they won 107 games last year. Pakota has them winning 78. So you're talking about 30, almost 30 fewer wins. They're, I get it. The Dodgers are out of this world. The Padres are going to be better. They still have Arizona and Colorado. And even if Colorado improved a smidge with the signing of Chris Bryant, bringing in some other veterans, they're still not great, okay? So at worst, San Francisco's a third-place team, and I don't even necessarily believe that. But let's say they go 28-10 and 10 against the two bottom feeders in the NL West. You're telling me they can't go 51-73 and 73 against the rest of the league to get past 78 wins this year? I, I'm with you, man. <laughs> I like the Giants. I they're To me, they're like the, the rays of the NL. Yeah. Um, you, I just trust Farhan Zahidi and what they've done over there and Kapler and, and uh, Andrew Bailey. Those guys are really, really smart, and they find ways to put guys into situations where they're going to be the most successful. They resurrected careers. They put young guys in positions to win. They just know how to put players uh, in a position to, to maximize. So I'll never count them out, and that's an easy over for me too. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. that They're not going to win 107 games but they're not going to win just 78. I don't see it. I don't, I don't see, see it. them winning 107 games last year or the right. year before. You know what I mean? I don't know what they're doing. I, I just, I don't see it myself, but they seem to, to figure it out. All right. I uh, want to remind everybody that baseball today is presented to you by our good friends over at Manscaped and it's got the complete package, right? Baseball season is all going to be off to a great start coming up this week. Why don't you clean yourself up? south of the equator it's got a great package for you it starts with the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer it's getting as hyped as mike trout of trimmers so we're talking about five tools here you want to clean yourself up for that someone special in addition to that it's got the weed whacker and as you get older i'm telling you you got hair that's coming out of weird places right your ears your nose you got to clean it up my wife michelle looked at me the other day she's like weed whacker time and so i was like you you're on board i've got a manscape why not 
On top of that, you got the Crop Preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, the Crop Reviver. Uh, it's a spray-on toner for your uh, happy place down there. You never know when you're going to need a little pep in your step as well. So um, I also want to remind you, and this is serious because we have a lot of fun with this stuff, but it is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. And Manscaped has actually partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Because did you know it is the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35? So it's important that you check yourself. If you feel something going on, you know, go get yourself to a doctor. Jerry, sometimes we as guys, we go, all right, we'll get through it. It's important to take care of yourself. Go see your uh, physician today. So once again, this is the most valuable player on the course. It's Manscaped. Use the code word baseball today for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All right, back now on baseball today. Uh, interesting, Carlos Beltran has become an announcer for the New York Yankees. He's going to be in the booth. Uh, he's going to be an analyst for Yes. He had a sit-down with Michael Kay to discuss, among other things, the Astros' marred 2017 world championship the astros won the championship in 2017 and a lot of people believe that there's a stain on that championship do you believe there is yeah there is yeah there is because you know what we did and uh and we all have taken responsibility and at some point we all has shown remorse about what we did and uh and at least in my case uh you know that was my 20th years uh in baseball uh you know there's there's no way uh, we would have done that on purpose and me throwing away 19 years of my career just because of a championship. So did you get anything out of that discussion, Jerry? I did get I did get a lot out of that. First of all, I'm happy that Carlos Beltran is back being visible um, as as terrible as I think that cheating was. I don't think Carlos Beltran should have been singled out as the only punishable player. I thought that was kind of BS, and he got alienated a little bit. Well, He's a brilliant- I do want to stop you because I heard that during his thing. He was called out. He wasn't punished. Okay, people forget that, that he was not suspended. Cora was. Hinch was. No, he got fired from the Mets job. But that's because they mutually – because the Mets were like, we can't have this. That wasn't the league stepping in. It did cost him severely. But to say that the league punished him is inaccurate. So I think we have to get that uh, out. I, I didn't say the league punished him. He did get singled out kind of as he the only really – that's what I meant. And so um, I think it's gross what they did. I think it's cheating. I think it's like there's – it's miserable, but I'm happy that Carlos Beltran is back in the game. He's a brilliant baseball mind from all the people that I've ever played with that were teammates of his. He's he's brilliant. And so he's he it's good. I'm glad that he's in some role in baseball again. Um, but I do I I think it he point he pointed the finger back at MLB and the organization for not stopping it mm-hmm. because in all the history of baseball from all the cheating scandals from steroids um, to sticky stuff to sign stealing players are going to try to find an edge and there's always a small amount of players that are going to push it too far and if the league that knows about it but doesn't address it it's going to encourage other players to continue to do it and then it becomes systemic and then other teams that maybe never would have done it see it's not getting punished and they're like well we're falling behind and then it becomes we need to do it to compete and so it becomes systemic 
And he pointed the finger at the organization because they need to step up. I'm a, I'm a pro player guy. I'm a big union advocate, but it's not their place to punish that kind of thing. It's the league. It's the teams that need to come out and say, you're not going to use sticky stuff. You're not going to cheat on this level. I will not have it on my team in my league. And then it would have been over. So I think it was a problem more on the baseball side that should have stopped it when it needed to be stopped. I think that's fair. Uh, I think the one thing I got out of it that I, that resonated with me was that Carlos, Carlos Beltran said, I am not a bad person. And I, I, people will look at what the Astros did and automatically say they're all bad people. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that some of them, and I don't know them all personally, are good people who made a bad decision. And I think that's the hardest thing in life for us to decipher. One is what's a bad person and what is a bad decision because they're not yeah. always one and the same. And so I, I agree. Right. It's, it's like, so I, I never want to judge players. I didn't grow up or I didn't play in the steroid era, mm -hmm. but I would like to say that I wouldn't, but I don't know. I never, you know, people were taking steroids when I played still getting popped. It got a couple of guys got 80 games. They're still taking, it. I never did the sticky stuff was a thing and I never really did that either. But if I was on that team, a lot of guys are getting hammered for not speaking up and saying, stop it. Um, but I don't think that's a flaw on their character because it you see it go all over the place. And, and that's why I think it's not easy to judge a guy for being a bad guy for a bad decision or even trying to stop something. So, you know, like guys like Reddick, and there it's tainted for good reason because well, that is bullshit what they did, but it doesn't mean they're terrible people. No, Reddick came out and actually said, yeah, I mean, on Twitter, he defended mm -hmm. himself. He said, you know, there's a bunch of us that didn't do it. Like yeah. Josh Reddick. I think he said, Tony Kemp. I know he said, Oh, Jose Altuve. Yeah. So he was, you know, the problem is we don't know who we don't know when I, I love, I love Altuve. I got to play with Altuve. I played with Reddick. Uh, Brian McCann, I, I don't know. He hasn't spoken up. I think that he was involved in it. I love these guys. They're really good people. It's the same thing when I played with Bartolo. He got popped when I played with him in Oakland. And then I played with him again in New York. I love him as a person. You know, he's full of flaws. He cheated. I'm angry about that. But at some point, like, you serve your suspension and it, people are flawed. Human beings are human beings. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people. Yeah. I know, but once again, the, the, the thing that people will scream at the top of their lungs is that the players did not get penalized. Correct. And I think it's, I think that's horrible too. I, I agree. It's just, but I want to move on. It's just yeah, the only reason on. it became news. It's deeper than that, just this. Yeah. The only reason it became news was because Carlos Beltran talked about it. And so he was a main player in this whole thing and it's affected him severely. And we'll see if he gets a, a, another chance to perhaps manage somewhere down the line. Uh, Chris Sale, we knew that he wasn't going to be ready for opening day, but the Red Sox officially put him on the 60-day injured list. Stress fracture in his rib. So the question is, is the rotation good enough as is, or do they need to make the move? Uh, they, need to make a, they need to make multiple moves, I think. Um, first of all, I'm so sad about Chris Sale, man. He's so good. He's team skinny guy like myself, team skinny lefty. I love watching him pitch. He's, he's, I'm sad to not see him in the game. Uh, but the, if the Red Sox want to compete and they have a good little squad there that can really make some, you know, make some moves, they're going to need to make some rotational issues. Like I, I don't, without sale 
for this long, it's, it's pretty significant. So they needed to, they didn't have great depth anyway. So mm-hmm. they need to make, I think a, a couple of moves. Well, so here's how the rotation sits as is. Ivaldi, Pavetta, Hauk, who people are just super high on, right? Then you've got, it's the maybe guys. It's Hill and it's Waka. It's, you're asking a lot out of those guys to put together solid starts in that ballpark at their respective ages. And that puts a lot of wear and tear on your bullpen too. You know that. I mean, games in Fenway can last forever when you've got a stud on the mound. (laughs) When you've you've got guys who are kind of question marks at this point in their career, who knows? So, you know, the Red Sox are saying all the right things. We just think it'll be a 60-day stint. He's ready to start throwing again even though he hasn't picked up a baseball since injuring himself at his college in February. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it could be middle of June, could be late June before you see Chris sale. And in that division, you don't want to get too far back. Uh, yeah. There there's between the blue Jays and the Yankees and, and the Rays. Um, you don't want to have to rely on it. You're, they're going to fall back. That's why I think they needed to make moves. I mean, we talked about how Chris Paddock wasn't a good fit for the Mets. I think he would be a good fit to just eat up some innings with some high potential. They need, they need more reliable arms. Uh, Rich Hill is a good pitcher. He's not going to throw 200 innings for him. You know, there's Tanner Houck hasn't been proven to do it for a long period of time. They just have too many question marks for me. So I think they, as of the Red Sox, they need to make some moves. Yeah. I mean, listen, they do have James Paxton sitting on their roster. He's coming back from Tommy John's surgery. They think he'll be back within a couple of months, if not sooner. But once again, are you really willing to roll the dice on a guy who has been injury prone throughout his career to come back like gangbusters off of Tommy John? I don't I don't think in this division that's a recipe for success. It's I don't think it's going to be good enough. Yeah. Last one. We saw a couple of great moments. We talked about Julio Rodriguez getting the call from the Mariners. Literally, we, we saw the video that M's put out on their social media channel. Go check it out where he he you know, he gets told by management he's breaking with the club and then there's another clip of him calling his parents it's really a beautiful touching moment but the one that really sat with me because I don't think I had ever seen this before was Ethan Roberts of the Cubs he had just come out of the game he's sitting on the bench uh he goes over David Ross comes over says how's your hand because he had just fielded a comebacker it's like it's fine good enough to shake my hand yeah great because you just made the club and you could see him like overcome with emotion i just thought it was so great um what was it like when you found out you were a big leaguer uh what a beautiful moment that i i that got me teary-eyed too watching ethan roberts go through that uh for me it was very similar man i was it wasn't opening day i hadn't been in big league camp before i had just gotten traded in 07 from the cubs to the a's double a to triple a um september hits and a lot of guys go up to the big leagues in September and I didn't get my name called not on the 40 man I'm like okay that makes sense maybe you know I have a shot for next year and so we go on we win the PCL um, with the Sacramento River Cats we celebrate on the field and then after the game we're up in the Solon Club with the whole front office of the Sacramento River Cats the team owner the all the staff and so we're up there the whole team we're all celebrating Tony DeFrancesco who's our manager at the time, you know, gives a big speech on how much this team has meant, uh, how good the ownership was and how fun this season's been. Um, And then he goes, we got one more thing. 
He goes, Jerry Blevins, congratulations. This is your first time going to the big leagues. I wish you nothing but luck. And it was like September 14th. So it was like two weeks in. Uh, I'm overcome with emotion. Like I'm crying in front of a whole group of people uh, that, that, you know, that's what it, it means to me. It's a dream come true. Like I'm getting kind of emotional now thinking about it because, you know, all the work, all the sacrifice, all the time, all the dreams that you have, it's now reality. And it's hard to fathom, you know, seeing that come to be. Uh, I still get people that were there randomly, like probably once a year saying, you know, I was in that front office or I was a scout there. And I remember that moment when you got called up and it was so cool to see. It's truly like, like a, like an epiphany style moment that you just feel so good. I, I ended up calling, I'm on the West coast. I'm here in Ohio on the East coast time zone, trying to wake up my family at like two 30 in the morning, like to tell them I'm coming to the big leagues. It was, it was a whirlwind. I didn't sleep at all that day. Um, and I've never been happier to miss sleep in my whole life. It's a great story. Yeah. Thank love you. Love that, man. I love that. And especially for people that aren't familiar with your background, you were, you were a walk on at Dayton, weren't you? Yeah, man. Uh, out of high school, I went to a small graduate of 39 people in my high school, went to Dayton for academics and me and my roommate decided we saw the the poster up uh, in the wall in our dorm room. It was like, Hey, Saturday tryouts for the baseball team. And we were like, all right, let's go out on Saturday. And, you know, I kind of didn't really do well until my junior year. And I kind of figured it out. 17th round and then you know made my way to a different organization and, and up it's pretty wild wow was, were you in that jd trade was it you and donaldson no no so i was in um it's <laughs> again so i was with the cubs you remember when carlos zambrano and michael barrett fought yes that basically got me to the big leagues so they had to get rid of one of those guys they traded barrett for <laughs> rob bowen then I got traded with Rob Bowen to the A's for Jason Kendall. And then I, I actually made my way up with, with the, the A's. So that I thanked uh, Michael Barrett. He was with the Blue Jays and I got to see him. I said, thank you there. And then when I was at the Nationals, he was uh, a minor league coach there. And so I talked to him and I say, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. That's all great. The time. Wait, wait to fight Big Z on that one. <laughs> uh, what do you have coming up on John Boy? So we uh, recorded our last PPP today. Uh, and then outside of that, we're going to do a quick preview for the national series. It'll be like a five minute thing. I don't even think it's going to go out on the podcast network, probably just YouTube because it'll be five minutes. And then uh, I'll be um, doing every series we'll be doing for Shea Station preview and uh, recap. Very good. Uh, Tyler Glass now episode is still out. Um, we got a big announcement coming up on the Rose Rotation, as I told you. That's coming your way on opening day on Thursday. Can't wait for that. Uh, in the meantime, hopefully, Jared, I love having you, but I'm hoping that we don't need you tomorrow. That means Clue Me will too. be feeling better because, we, you know, it's the beginning of the season. We need Coach Trev. Yeah, dude can't be uh, puking out his guts here. So there you go. Just send Plu, uh get well messages on Twitter because that's all he's doing right now is sitting and refreshing his page. So <laughs> help him feel well. Uh, special shout out to our producer extraordinaire, the one and only Dan Rourke. That is Jerry Glevins. I'm Chris Rose. Thanks for tuning in to Baseball Today, presented to you by Manscaped.